Welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocado Press based in Louisville, Kentucky. I am Kimberly Parsley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lisa McKinley. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing very well. So tell me, Lisa, tell me if this has ever happened to you. You go, you're going to sit down to do something very important. Let's say you're going into an important meeting or you're going into church or I don't know, maybe you sit down to record a podcast and your phone rings and what is it but a scam phone call. Does that ever happen to you? All the time. All the time. And lately, those uh, those scam phone calls, though, they've been more than petty annoyances, haven't they? They they really have. And um, so we're coming to you today with a warning. Um, scammers are really targeting um, persons enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid. So we've got a lot of um, Medicare and Medicaid phone call scams going on right now. And one reason being it is open enrollment for Medicare. Um, so what scammers are doing, they are calling folks. And oftentimes it will start with a um, robocall where you're getting an automated call telling you to press one for more information or press two to be um, removed from the call list. So what happens? You press one for more information and you get connected to a live operator. And this is where the scam comes in. They will um, try to get sensitive information like your bank account number and your credit card number um, Medicare will never ask you these things over the phone. You may get a call, text, or email from your, from your, um, state agency telling you it's time to enroll, but they won't ask for credit card numbers or bank information. So that's the number one red flag. And if that happens, you need to hang up immediately and you can, um, report the scam to the FTC. But um, some of the red flags to look out for are um, asking you for money, asking you for your credit card, your bank accounts, um, threatening you, saying if you don't act within this certain time frame, you're going to lose all your benefits. It's really, it's really scary. I don't know if you've received any of these calls. Have you, Kimberly? I, I have. Yeah, and it is scary for those of us, especially for whom our healthcare is so important. Um, you know, even if we know better, we know this is probably a scam, but my gosh, we're all so afraid, aren't we, of losing our health care that we're like, well, maybe I'll risk it. I, I don't know. Um, it, it, it's really, it's not even just phone calls. Um, there's a lot of mail scams even going on with Medicare. We just received a, ma- a letter in the mail saying my mother's benefits were going to be decreased like by two thirds. And it's like, there's no reason for this. And of course they give a fake number, but you know, it looks legit. So anytime you are in doubt, contact your, you know, your 
state agency, contact your local office, take the letter in or tell them about the phone call you received and make sure things are really legitimate before you um, act upon any kind of letter or call you receive. Well, that's good advice. And number one, always never give out personal information over the phone. Never give out your bank account information over the phone. Is that right? Never, 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 never. Um, FTC says if you are asked either your bank account information or credit card information that it is a scam and to hang up immediately and to report the call. Hmm. And how do they do that? How do people report? You can simply go to reportfraud.ftc.gov and there will be a place there where you can um, fill out the details of the call and the fraud. Excellent. Excellent. That's very important. That's a step I don't think, I mean, that's a step I've never taken. I bet a lot of us haven't, you know. Um, so great information, Lisa. Thank you so much for that. Um, something, since we're talking about scary things, it is October, which means Halloween is nearly upon us. And one of the things I have been looking into is Halloween costumes for the disabled. And I looked up um, in wheelchair, uh, like additions to costumes for wheelchair users in particular. Like, um, like if your little one, apparently one of the, the, the most common costume is Batman. And for wheelchair users, there's like a Batmobile you know, addition that you can buy so that the wheelchair is covered in like a Batmobile costume. Isn't that cute? Oh, that is cute. I thought that would be great. Uh, the princess thing, you could be Cinderella in uh, the, you know, the awesome Cinderella carriage. Um, there were all kinds of these and they, they are um, sold at Amazon. Disney makes a bunch of them and I'll have a link to some of those in the show notes for anyone who's interested. I think there may still be time to um, get get the costumes. And, you know, I was thinking about this uh, when I saw it. And I thought, you know, I wonder if this is the kind of thing where like people who use wheelchairs, maybe they've known this. Maybe this has been around for years and years. And I'm just now figuring it out that way. I, I, and I think it's cool. And so I wasn't I was even unsure if I was going to talk about this topic today, but then I thought, you know, our, our roots in this podcast are as an offshoot of the original disability rag. And one of the things the rag did was to educate people with disabilities, uh, educate them about people with other disabilities. So, I mean, I, I think I would like to continue that. What do you think? I mean, I think you're right. I think it's really important. We don't always, you know, cross disabilities. You you have your certain disability that's familiar to you. I mean, for us, it's it's blindness, and um, but you're not always aware of the struggles or or the things other people might be going through or the equipment that's available to them. And I think it's important to educate ourselves and and to be open to to hearing about other disabilities and what might be available. 
and, I, and not to I, get offended. Uh, you know, it's it's easy when you've been, I don't know about you, but not, it's really easy, I think, when you've been walking in a certain disability for so long to kind of expect that everybody knows exactly what you deal with on a daily basis and to get offended. Um, I sometimes get get caught up in that. I don't know if you do, but I think you know, by talking about other disabilities and it might help. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And, you know, also, the, unfortunately, just because you have one disability does not, does not make you immune from getting another one, um, as I know all too well, you know, so, um, so I just think we can't ever stop educating ourselves and then sharing information because, you know, that sharing, let, let's share stuff with each other, you know, let's share information. And since we're sharing, so I got to tell you, there's something else at, because I went down a, a uh, an internet rabbit hole like you do. And I also found out this a great thing, sort of dealing with costumes, sort of not, but Victoria's Secret is now making, they have a line of clothing for people with disabilities. A line of bras and panties. Isn't that exciting? That really is. But but tell me about them. Like, how does that work? Well, the the thing that I found exciting was that uh, they have magnetic closures. So, you know, there's like the, you know, the hooks for bras and things that you can't do one handed. You know, you just can't. I promise. Um, Magnetic closure. That seems more doable, you know? So, I mean, that can like revolutionize certain people's lives. I mean, really, like, I mean, even for us that are getting a little older, I mean, I, I've pulled a muscle just trying to reach back there and <laughs> clasp the little hooks. So, you know, and I'm not the only one. Um, I've heard lots of women, uh, apparently you get 40 and things just aren't as flexible anymore. So. There you go. There uses and purposes. I know. I know. Right. None of us are getting younger. So I'm very excited about this. Wanted to share that information with everyone. Do with it what you will. That's what I say. Do with it what you will. So who are we interviewing today, Kimberly? Well, today I had the pleasure of interviewing Steve Moore. Steve does our transcriptions for us. He's so kind to do those for us. Steve is a wheelchair user, and he's also going to talk to us about the personal care attendant program and the changes that that program has seen over the last year, the pros, the cons, and uh, just tell us some about that. So I'm really, really positive, really wonderful person. So I was thrilled to get to talk to Steve. Oh, how exciting that we get to hear from Steve and he gets to transcribe us talking about broads and panties. So. I know. Oh, you're right. Wow. I should, I should maybe apologize to him in advance. So is it really an apology if he has to type it up though? Mm, Seems unfair anyway. And now for my interview with Steve Moore. Hello. So today we are joined by Steve Moore. He does our transcriptions for us. So thank you for that. And welcome Steve. Hello, Ms. Kimberly. It's great to be here. Great to see you. So tell me a little about yourself. 
Well, I'm a quadriplegic uh, from a motor vehicle accident. Been doing this for a while. Uh, it happened back in 1984. I uh, quickly realized after rehab and and uh, you know getting physically as, as far as I could uh, that I wasn't going to be able to do the same old uh, hands-on manual types of labor that I used to do. So. And I wanted to do something with my life still. So went back to school and I uh, got my uh, bachelor's degree in business, uh, finance major, and uh, worked for uh, Chase Bank for 13 years full time. And until uh, I got, uh, got to where I couldn't work anymore because of pressure issues and uh, ulcer issues. So had to re-retire, but I've tried to stay occupied and stay healthy. That's the biggest job I have now. Just turned 60 Thursday of last week. Oh, happy so, birthday. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you for the condolences. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, that's, about, that's about the gist of it. Well, you know, they say the, the thing about humans is that we're adaptable, right? And uh, uh, Yes. So it sounds like you adapted and went on to, to, to do things. So that's, uh, that's great that you were able to do that. I, I was fortunate to realize early on that life goes on. And if I didn't do something with myself, I, I was never going to be happy. So I just, I just pulled up my big girl panties and went <laughs> on with it. There you go. So tell me about your experience with personal care attendants, because I assume that's a big part of your life. Yes, it is. You know, being a quad, you know, of course, you know, quads very, all of our disabilities vary so widely. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm uh, totally dependent on all of my ADLs. So uh, it's, it's vital for, for my uh, well-being and function. And early on, of course, being so long ago, and, and of course, being a a new challenge it was really difficult the resources weren't available then that that are now not that it's a piece of cake now but uh, nothing used to be available you know and i ended up going to uh whenever i started in the school you know i i had was living back with my parents here in louisville and it was really so difficult to, to not only to get care but to even get transportation to and from school so um, I had found out about Voc Rehab Center down in uh, eastern Kentucky, southeastern Kentucky, Paintsville, Carl D. Perkins. Oh, and, uh -huh. uh, so uh, I went and toured that and decided to stay there. And I was the first person there that, that they uh, started the uh, program of taking, uh, taking students to or transporting students back and forth to and from Prestonsburg to the community college for classes. And uh, so I lived there. I lived there for about three and a half years and on the medical unit and uh, got all of my physical and occupational therapy and, and uh, earned all of my credits that I could that would transfer back to Louisville. And, and then uh, at the time that uh, I got all that done and, and had to move back to Louisville, I had been on the, uh, personal care attendant program waiting list for, I can't, I don't recall the length of time, but it came open for me soon after I got back to Louisville, moved back to Louisville, and I was able to utilize that 
to start uh, getting care. And before that, because I was in college, Voc Rehab helped me cover uh, home health. So uh, it worked out that way. And with uh, especially with the uh, personal care attendant program, I was able to hire and schedule my help, uh, my caregivers, and keep a good class attendance and so on and so forth and finish college and then, you know, set out on my job search. Now, recently, there have been some changes to the personal care attendant program. Can you can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, I can probably uh, give you an overview. The uh, The program itself was had always been coordinated and administrated by the uh, Center for Accessible Living Offices. Now, I, I don't know exactly, you know, the, the nuts and bolts exactly, but, uh, you know, uh, someone at, at each of the offices had their their areas and their sco- uh, scope of responsibility, you know, for administering the program. And then, uh, you know, biweekly, like consumers will, you know, turn in their paperwork for their caregivers, and then uh, those those uh, those offices process it, would process it, and and you know tell Frankfurt basically uh, finance in Frankfurt, you know what to what to pay who, and those funds uh, you know would come to the care to the uh, consumer, and then go you know from the consumer to the to the uh, caregivers. The state decided that if they could take it in house within uh, the Department of Aging and Independent Living in Frankfurt and do it from there, centralize it, that they could save a lot of money doing it and thereby provide consumers with more funding to hire caregivers. So uh, that's what they did. It transitioned over uh, at, what was it, the... uh, the end of the year, or the, the yeah, the, the end of the year, 2022. And uh, for me, it's been fairly smooth. I haven't really, really? had any uh-huh. trouble. Yeah. So uh, that's been a relief because, you know, you always have those worries anytime there are changes. And it's so vital. Uh, the, the assistance that provides is so vital to most everyone as far as retaining assistance. So, so that's been a blessing. So what have you heard from, from other people? Has the transition been as smooth for uh, others as well? I really don't know. I haven't, I don't know anybody else personally who has benefits from the program. So I really can't comment uh, as to that. I bet when those big changes come and you know, they're coming, I bet it is terrifying, isn't it? Oh, it can be. Yeah, it can be because Especially, you know, when you've experienced uh, just, uh, dead spots before, you know, it's just like, oh, no, what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was really fortunate uh, as I uh, went through uh, the process after moving back home. I had, you know, a super supportive parents and family. And thankfully, not that I didn't have difficulties, but for the most part, things fell into place pretty good. And, and uh, I was a. Uh, I wasn't an oddball. I wasn't a, I wasn't a, I was a statistical, what do they call it? A statistical. Anomaly. Anomaly. Thank you. Yes. Yes, ma'am. 
so many of us are statistical anomalies, aren't we? <laughs> we really are. Yeah, if we think about it. So what, uh, what kind of changes would you like to see going forward for personal care attendant program? I would love to see it expanded to become available for more disability, disabled uh, Kentuckians. The need is so great. It's not, like I said, you know, that things have changed a lot over the past 39 years to what they were, but, um, and there are, you know, a lot of comparatively, a lot of other resources available and uh, helpful, but it's still not enough. There are just so many people who are affected with their uh, uh, well-being and, and uh, independence and so forth that, uh, and to, uh, provide, you know, even a little more funding so that they could, uh, that we could actually attract and retain assistance more easily. It's uh, really difficult when you lose a good attendant because it's usually a process of hiring and trying different people over time to find somebody that's, that's really good again. And uh, so, you know, that's the thing. That's one of the that's one of the things that you know that might would help you know is if you were able to to pay to attract more qualified or more motivated folks. So you interact with these people constantly, right? I mean, yes. these the quality of your life is in in a lot of ways dependent on the quality of your personal care attendant. Would you say that's correct? That's absolutely right. You know, you can't the the whenever you have anybody that's uh, not thorough or, or not reliable or not uh, sufficient in their in their care, then you know that that really takes away from your from your uh, attitude, from your your personal sense of well-being and your worries and woes and so forth. To have caregivers who are who are uh, responsible and know their jobs and and are motivated it's it just it's makes life so much easier compared to the alternative or even you know compared to an institution i've been in a nursing home one time i had about a 30-day stay to uh, recover from some surgery i swore then that i'd never go back to one and i don't know that i won't never know about your future like that but to be able to have your own care at home to be able to decide it yourself, to direct it yourself, and to hire your own people or replace your own people, etc. There's just no there's just no comparison. There's nothing like it. We all want that choice, don't we? To, yes, to, we really do. Yeah. It's incredible the difference it makes in your life. Yeah. Same, same here. Same here. Having having choices is well, it's it's critical to your well-being. You're right about that. So it, let's say if there's someone listening and they are at that point or on the cusp of needing personal care attendance, what what do you advise? What do they need to do? Well, don't give up. That's for sure. Try to think of all the resources possible. You know, be in contact with your local center for accessible living, the Department for the Aging and Independent Living. Talk to other people too, especially if you know anybody that's in, you know, the same boat or has had the same experience for ideas, you know, do brainstorming with other people, you know, look online. Uh, there's a, uh, one website that I'm, that I'm aware of is called care.com. 
and you can okay. advertise mm -hmm. there for help. You know, you can even get on get on a PCAP list as quickly as possible. Uh, if you're already on that list, you know, you can use those funds to pay somebody, you know, that you hired through care.com or, uh, you know, general uh, help wanted ads. How help long is that waiting list? Ads are difficult, but uh, oh, expensive, right. but uh, I don't even know what they run now. Fortunately, I haven't had to look for anyone for quite a while. How long I'm is sorry. the waiting list right now? Do you know? You know that I don't know. I, okay. I'm, okay. I'm not familiar. I know it's too low. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, yep. you know, the brainstorming with others, you know, I think is an excellent idea of coming up with solutions and alternatives. There's just simply nothing that compares to having someone who's well compensated to help you out for those kinds of things, though, is there? No, it, it, it uh, of course, you know, you don't want somebody to be just totally motivated by money, but, right. but uh, you know, it does help with the, uh, recruitment and retention of someone mm -hmm. you know a lot of us you know we don't need somebody around the clock or uh for multiple hour stretches you know like like half a day or, or six or eight hours a day you know so sometimes it's really difficult to to get somebody that can just come for two or three hours you know for your for your morning care or your your night cares etc so you know like being able to pay more is more attractive too for somebody that you know looks at the hours and says, "Oh gosh, I, I, I need to I need to earn more than that," you know. All right. Okay. Well, what else? What else have I missed that you think is important for our listeners to know? Just know that your your efforts will pay off. Sometimes you you know may have to uh, do repeated hirings, and you know that involves interview interviewing folks. And, talking to folks on the phone and, you know, screening them, you know, that's another good idea uh, is to, you know, come up with, with decent questions to interview folks so that you can get an idea of their skills. And one helpful uh, tool is to, you know, come up with good screening questions uh, for your, for your folks that you're looking to possibly hire, hire you're going to, you're going to need to, you know, talk to folks on the phone and uh, set up interviews sometimes with folks. And uh, good questions can give you a, a a good idea as to how the person feels about such a job and, and the uh, requirements of the job and so forth. Uh, the center uh, has a great uh, employment package. That, uh, you know, if you uh, are on the personal care attendant list, that, you know, they can provide you or they might even provide you one. Uh, I'm sure they would provide you one, even if you're just on the waiting list or whether you're on the list at all. Okay. Um, it's just a good idea to do that and, and just just uh, keep trying. Keep trying. The more you try, uh, the better you're going to come out. Sometimes you're going to have to hire people and let the same people go in a short time because they, you're really not satisfied with them or, uh, or they, they don't work long and they'll leave. And, you know, it really takes a special person to do this kind of work and to care what, about what they're doing and, and be motivated, you know, uh, other than financially. Right. 
but uh, you know, it pays off. It pays off in dividends uh, all the way through as long as you stay with it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Steve, for educating us about the personal care attendant program and your, your own issues with that. And thank you very much. And everyone else, thank you for listening. We will see you again soon. Bye-bye. If you like the podcast, remember to follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you really like the podcast, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That helps more people to find us. If you really, really like the podcast, then please tell someone about it, either in person or send them an email or just share the link on social media. Thank you all. Every bit helps and it makes a huge difference for us. If you'd like a transcript, please send us an email to demandanddisrupt at gmail.com and put transcript in the subject line. Thanks to Steve Moore for helping us out with transcripts. Thanks to Chris Unkin for our theme music. Demand and Disrupt is a publication of the Advocado Press with generous support from the Center for Accessible Living located in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. Just for once I think I would agree
Spells out 